Welcome to Echoes of Glory, a brand new Spurs fan podcast. When you start a new podcast, you really need something to talk about on your subject matter. We are blessed at Tottenham Hotspur with a lot to talk about right now. As ever, we'll be reviewing the last game, the 4-3 defeat at Anfield. Looking ahead to next week's game at home to Palace, we'll have a fan, a Palace fan on the show to discuss that with. We'll also be talking about five players that we think have to go in the summer and also the earliest you've ever left a football match. Uh, all that to come. Follow us at EOGTHFC, wherever you do your social media. Comment on the show. If you want to come on the show, let us know. And also look out for some merchandise in the future. Welcome to Echoes of Glory, a podcast dedicated to North London's biggest roller coaster, Tottenham Hotspur Football Club. I'm Johnny Blaine and joining me today are Gary Diamond and Jake Robson. Uh, gents, good afternoon. Right, straight to it. How was your Sunday? Uh, my Sunday was spent with the kids all day, looking forward to watching, I say looking forward, probably not a season where you really do look forward to watching Spurs, but looking forward to watching Spurs and then the game kicked off and 15 minutes later I wish I wasn't watching Spurs. Did you switch it off? Were we, did you turn it off at 3-0? Did you turn it back on? No, I'm a, I'm a glutton for punishment. So I uh, kept, kept it on, kept it on against Newcastle. I, I don't leave early. I don't switch off. I think I used to many years ago. Um, but there hasn't been that many occasions in the last seven years to really need to up until last week and Sunday. But no, I, um, I watched it through to the end. Through to the bitter end. Jake, yourself, where did you watch it? Did you switch it off in anger, chuck your phone? What happened? I was having a great Sunday <laughs> until about 4.31. Yeah. And then... That's the same as last week then. Yeah, absolutely the same as last week. So that was the thing. I was I, When I was watching it, I said, I'm not, I said to myself, I'm not doing this again. I was actually on my way out. So I had it on, on Sky Go watching it. And I just thought, I'm not going to sit here and watch us concede another five goals in 20 minutes. So after, when it, when it got to 3-0, I just thought... No, and I'm not somebody that no, I, I like. I'm like you. I like to watch every minute, mm. and I'll happily say that if if I miss a game or if I miss the opening twenty minutes, I'm recording it. I'm putting my phone down yeah. and I'm watching it. But I just thought the way it's gone at the no, <laughs> I couldn't. I couldn't do it, and it turned out to be a mistake. So I was watching it, um, uh, in a position where I can watch it at work, and I'm watching it, and we're three 0 down, and I'm just sat there quietly. And we get to three all, and it's when Richarlison scores. I'm up, I'm dancing around that room. And because I'm a nervous watcher and I do this a lot, I was like, I can't watch the last three minutes of injury time because I don't want to see them score. <laughs> or And if we do score, I'll be fine and I'll see it when I come back in. So I thought I'm gonna go for a little walk around the block. And I was on the second floor and I got to the stairs. By the time I'd got to the stairs, I hear a cheer go up. So there's been a goal, I don't know who scored. And then I hear laughing. And the moment you hear laughing, you know that it's clearly Spurs. Nice. It couldn't have been that Spurs have scored because everyone it just doesn't sympathise with us. So we must have been 4-3 down. I poke my head round into another room and I see Jota being bundled by all of his players. I, I wonder from an emotional stability point of view, because I, I, I was watching it at home and, and my kids are there and it almost would have been easier to have just pathetically lost 3-0 <laughs> because, you know, I actually ended up having an argument with the wife because unfortunately... I'm not proud about this. My, my behaviour is disgusting sometimes. I've seen it. Yes, I've seen it. It's one of those where you equalise at Anfield. You've come back from 3-0 at Anfield and a team that is in such disarray. And it's such a big moment. that, And it's Richarlison as well. It's a big goal, right? And, 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 and I was going mental, like leaping around my living room. My kids are looking at me like 90 seconds later. 
you've got the complete diametric opposite. And then I'm in an absolute stinker of a mood for the rest of the evening, causing arguments with the wife, questioning myself as to I should be beyond this at this stage of life. <laughs> but but if we had lost just three nil pathetically after 15 minutes, you know, I'd have sat there in the 90th minute like, I'm over it already. But I, I, I'm, I'm still not over it now. Well, that's the roller coaster. But Johnny, why have you taken until the three all to to leave the leave the room? Talk me through that. Um, that's the, the it's it's not wanting to see us blow it again. Like I can't, right. I couldn't bring myself in my head. I'm thinking this is great. It's three all. I know Gary will tell you I'm a pessimist. We're going to lose this four three. I don't want to see it. I just can't bring myself to watch us faff about. So if I don't see it, like we, the Bournemouth game, my little my lad wanted to leave at two all. So I didn't see Bournemouth score. In my head, we've drawn two all. Drawn two I, all. I haven't been through that emotion. So anyway, I hear the laughter. I know we've conceded. but So I left. I effectively left that game at 3-0. A lot of Spurs fans have walked out at 3-0. I'm not going to say that it's right or wrong. I want to know what is the earliest you've ever left a game. For me, I left a Fulham Cup game years ago when we were 3-0 down with 10 men after 28 minutes. But that was in Fulham. You know, it's half an hour home. What is it, Jake? Earliest you've ever left a game? Nah, like, nah, 80, 80 plus. Right. I would never, I wouldn't leave before. Even at three down. Well, maybe, but I haven't, I don't remember being at a game that where we were three you've down. You've never been to a Spurs game where we've been three nil down <laughs> after 80 minutes. <laughs> well, not in recent years, no. I mean. Are you new here? Yeah, well, going to Tottenham regularly, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I've been season ticket holder since, since Wembley. I used right. to go like, and then you could get tickets for, for some games, you know, every, every, you know, three or four times a season. Okay. We, we've been good in big games. You know, since Potch arrived, Harry Redknapp, big games. I don't remember us being absolutely hammered. When, when's, where's, I mean, obviously I wasn't at Newcastle. Well, I want to give prop. I want to give props to Gary because I know that he stayed at 4-1 down to Arsenal in the 4-0. 4-2. Four four two. Four two. You stayed. You're like one of eight yeah. people left. Yeah, I mean, there was there was an announcement that I, I thought I heard an announcement that one of the trains wasn't running. So I was like, well, fuck it, I may as well stay, right? But yeah. I would I would have stayed anyway. And, and that paid off. I remember as well up at um, City in the quarterfinal and Sterling scored and, and my mate who I was with, as the ball's gone in, understandably just got up and started to walk out, but managed to grab him by his hoodie and pull him back and say, mate, look, you know, I, I, we all thought we'd be dead and buried long ago in this game. So to have got this far is, is, is incredible. And we're going to clap him off the pitch. And, and that was our, our second experience with VAR. Our first one being Llorente uh, half an hour earlier. And that was our first mm. offside VAR decision. I don't think we've had one since, but our first one and, 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 you know, we, we all went mad. I don't, I don't sort of, I understand why people would leave games. I just sort of feel like you've got to be there till the bitter end. And, it's all part and parcel of, of the journey. And, and, and when the good times come, you were there when, when it was that bad as well. I'll tell you what, I was at the Bayern game a few years ago. The one, what was it? 7-2. Seven 7-2. Two. Seven two. And I would have left at about 70 minutes, but I was with a mate who didn't make, he didn't see the Tottenham goal because he decided to bring a rucksack to the stadium. Yeah. So he had to then queue for 20 minutes to put it away. He missed the, the Tottenham goal. And by the time he got in and he paid like lots of money, obviously we all had for the ticket. Yeah. I'm staying I here. Too, yeah, <laughs> I, I said, well, I'm thinking, I'm, I'm thinking about, go, uh, and he was like, well, I bought my ticket, so I'm going to stay. So I was, I, I, I don't know. Nah, really I, well I, I'm a lever. I don't know what I'd have done in, in Amsterdam. I probably would have been at the airport by the time more, <laughs> more has made it 3-3. But anyway, before we get in to the main event Sunday, just a little roundup of what has happened at the club this week away from the men's team. Uh, the women's team drew 2-2 at home to Brighton. They need... Uh, 
probably one more win to stay up. They play Reading in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, that's a massive game at home. Uh, they've got to win that uh, to stay up. The under-21s have had a pretty torrid season, but the form's picked up a little bit. Uh, they drew 2-2 at Man United. Uh, they're still second bottom, uh, but they have picked up a little bit. And the under-18s have been really good this season. Uh, they drew 3 all with Leicester. And our similarities here, they scored a 93rd-minute equaliser, but they didn't concede 35 seconds later so well done uh, to the under 18s uh, not quite the same as the men's team uh, which we'll talk about now uh, on to Anfield I, I want to start at the end bringing on Lucas Moura because I think that is a symbol of where we are at the moment he brought him on at 3-2 3-2 down we're, I think we were still standing over that free kick or just before he clearly wanted to go to a 2-3-5 and just try and get an equaliser we score and we're stuck in a situation where Moura's now got to play wing back um, but forget the rights or wrongs of the substitution. Just the thought of, of Lucas Moura, who his previous game was sent off against Everton, Everton go and equalise. He comes on, gives away a terrible goal. He didn't mean to do it. We all love Moura for what he did in Amsterdam. He's been a great servant to the club, blah, blah, blah. But is he a symbol of where the club are now in terms of bringing on these players that probably should have gone two, three seasons ago? I, I think he very much is, and 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 if anything, Lucas Moore is the absolute embodiment of of an echo of glory, um, because you know here's That's a guy right. very who, nice that <laughs> very good, very good. <laughs> See what you did there. <laughs> here's a guy who who had a moment in a Spurs shirt uh, that we we cling to, and and we want to hold on to, and we want to hold on to him. Um, but the reality is, you know, has he been good enough? Is he good enough? Was he ever actually good enough? Um, and and, and and I think the only reason that he stood at this club is is because of that half hour, that mad half hour that he had, um, and and it goes back to a lot of the problems that, that that we have at the moment, and that is that a lot of this this squad isn't good enough. We have too many players, in my view, out there that you can't rely on. Who I look at and and, and I see a walking goal against, um, and 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 you know I, I, when we break the season down. We're talking about Mora, but but he is just an embodiment of the, of the problem at the minute that there are too many players there that that are costing us too dear. We too talked often. about this before. We've conceded nine goals from errors this season, which is the most in the league. Now we could probably find more goals that we constitute as errors, but regardless, we have let in nine goals from stupid errors, and we you can't go through a season gifting teams goals. Certainly not in the first five minutes like we've been doing recently, but also. Whenever it is, you can't be doing that, gifting clubs at this level goals. It's odd because when you have Conte as the manager as well, that's the last thing that you expect to do is to concede making silly errors. And also the defence was so bad at times under him, certainly towards the end. The one thing that I think though, and obviously we're going to have a new manager at some point over the summer, we saw with Poch how much better he made players that we thought weren't very good. Mm. Kyle Walker... Danny Rose, to name two. I mean, he turned Kyle Walker into a player that Pep Guardiola wanted to sign, mm. spend lots of money on. And now look at Kyle Walker. He's like, he's Manchester City legend, England legend. So the right and person... Danny Rose into a player that Milan wanted to there sign. There you go. The right person can come in. The, okay, I know Lord, Lucas Moura, he's, he's probably looks like he's going to leave. But I know there's a whole host of other players that Tottenham fans think aren't good enough. Maybe they aren't good enough. But maybe... A, a, a manager, a coach comes in who they know, they respect. He's going to be there for a while. Maybe he can. Maybe he can get something out of them. Maybe he turns. Maybe he unlocks whatever whatever potential was seen in them when they were signed in the first place. So I, I don't necessarily think that 
Oh, it's we need a clear out. You just you just don't look at Eric Dyer. Whenever a new manager turns up, suddenly they look <laughs> at him and go, "He's he's the man. He's the man." Conte did it. Mourinho did it, and it's very funny. He's he's a, another kind of symbol. He's probably another one that you're that you're going to touch on. Sometimes he can look really good at the times under Conte. I mean, he was getting back in the England well, squad. Well, Conte wants. To, am I right that Conte wants to offer him a new contract? Dyer. Yeah. 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 Well, exactly. <clears throat> But then, but now, but all of a sudden, it, the Tottenham look bad. He doesn't look very good. He's fallen off a cliff. What's the problem? Is it him? Is it the system, for want of a better word, the the system as in the club? You know what's going on at the club at the moment. Is it easy for players to perform under that kind of situation? I'm not sure. I think we maybe take it for granted. You know, when there's no manager and no, 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 an interim manager, I think that I think it's very easy for fans to say, "Oh, the players aren't good enough. We need a clear out." Actually, you put a proper manager in, and you've seen we've seen what can happen. Do you think it's difficult to sell some of these players? Someone like Eric Dyer, Lucas Moura at Tottenham. Whether you fans will say otherwise, it's a big club, okay? And they may not be. They can't probably go to United City, Chelsea because they're not that good. They don't want to leave and go to, with respect, Brighton, Brentford, whoever, because they're at Tottenham. They're on a great deal, I imagine, and it's cushy for them. So they're not going to force themselves out. They don't need to leave. But have we needed to put more pressure on selling some of these players? I think. Exactly, you know, if a manager is coming in and and decisively saying you are not in my plans, I think any self-respecting player, however cushy a position they're in, whatever lovely contract they're sat on, would rather take a bit of a pay cut to go to a, 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 a you know a, a lower a, a team lower in the league. Perhaps I'm not going to mention any teams. So I don't want to be disrespectful, but you know, th- then then sit at Tottenham knowing that they're not wanted. Uh, it is about a lack of direction, lack of leadership in, in, in I think the management echelons of the club when you've got a manager like Conte saying I really like Eric Dyer this guy is, is, is the guy I want as the linchpin of my defence well hang on I've watched that guy for years and I know he ain't <laughs> slicing balls out for corners against <laughs> Brentford exactly and, and, and we go back to these these nine goals you know and, 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 and those are the, 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 the opposite stats as a fan you know I know I look at that it doesn't include and their, their, their metrics are their metrics and, and that's up to them but as a fan I know that it doesn't include things like slicing a ball out for a corner and nor should it by the way but that's a corner that led to a goal it's a needless corner it doesn't include uh, you know Saka uh, Luis's own goal at 1-0 you know it doesn't include yeah. things like that so, so we talk about the nine and being top of the opta charts but as a fan and I know every fan will say every goal we concede is a mistake but I'm talking real mistakes I'm talking Sanchez three mistakes in 20 seconds against Leicester leading to a penalty Bournemouth he came two on two mistakes against Bournemouth these aren't in the opta <coughs> stats and, and again you know it's not about that but as a fan I'm saying these are brainhead stupidity and you mentioned Pochettino I think Sanchez was signed under mm. Pochettino and okay he wasn't a world beater but I remember saying at the time Arsenal did a centre-back more than we did at that time. They should have signed this guy mm. because he wasn't making these mistakes as regularly. He had a couple. I mean, he had the one where he fell over chasing the ball back against City. I remember that. But he was actually not this Bambi on ice player that he is today. And that has to come down to well coaching and, and, and minutes and so on. But also, this is a guy that sh- shouldn't have been at this club this long. Well, we've, we, we've discussed a sort of little list and we've looked on social media and seen players that we think most yeah. fans would agree uh, it's time to get rid of. Uh, we've sort of called it our five to go. Uh, it's just a, a little list of thank you very much, but come on, we need to move on. Obviously, Lucas Moore is on that graphic uh, with Larice Dyer, Session Yon, who I think divides opinion certainly in his room. Moore is going and Damison Sanchez. Um, all good servants and, and blah, blah, blah. But Jake, do you agree that 
these are five players that really we need to move on or you think no I want to keep one or two of those I think we have to sort of clarify that these are the players in the first team squad at the minute not out on yeah I, I think that I think Eric Dyer, for example I don't know what it is but it's, there's something in him that new managers come in and like the look of and I think I I, I just can't, I don't know I, I think I think there are worse problems at the club than him if if Conte comes in and says I really like this guy Conte got him back into the he was back in the England squad yeah you know you can't fluke that and Gareth Southgate won't pick you he, he certainly won't bring you in if you're not he, there's obviously players that he doesn't like to get that he, he likes to stick with but it's to, to get back to bring in, him back in to bring him back in you've got, got to be doing to be do, you've yeah. got to be doing something good yeah. so clearly he was so I wonder if a new manager comes in whoever it's going to be he may w- take one look at Dyer and go actually this guy's got something about him the other one that I'm not sure about is Sessegnon because I've always been a fan of his. I think if you play him in the right position, we haven't been playing in the right position. I saw him. What's in, his right position? His he, he, The season that he scored 20-odd goals for Fulham, he was playing to the left of a front three. Yeah. And, and there was a, lo- a lot of mm, those games. Ranieri bought him back and but came in and pushed him back, didn't he? Yeah, absolutely. Ranieri, that was... And he, he wasn't... It was the it was Jokanovic. The season that they... that they I think it was the first time that they went up um, under Jokanovic. Um he was he was ama- he was amazing. He was arriving at the back post. He was getting on the end of crosses from the right, or he was getting he was picking up rebounds that the striker had taken and firing it at the back post. And it was it was his positioning and his runs to the f- to the back post from that left channel that was what was getting him success. He wasn't dribbling past five players, whipping crosses in. That wasn't really his game. But he was scoring goals doing that. And he's been played as a wing back. He's been played as a left back. And I think his confidence is absolutely shot. He must have done quite well at Hoffenheim uh, when he was on loan. Um, for us to then bring him back and actually play him, because otherwise we would he would have got like all these others we've seen gone out on loan and then and then they get rid of him. So I still think there could be something something in him. We paid a lot of money for him. There was a reason we signed him, and I think there was something in that. Uh, so so I, I, I've picked out these five players because I think for me they all they all symbolise something that is wrong at Tottenham for me. And I'll, I'll start with Hugo Lloris, and I'll come on to Cecilia in a minute, but I'll, I'll start with Hugo Lloris. This is our captain, a World Cup winning captain, who throughout his career and how great he's been, has always been known for dropping one in in a big game. Even in the World Cup final, got bailed out by an unbelievable French team. And I just think, number one, I don't like a goalkeeper being captain. I just disagree with it fundamentally on any level, but unless it's Peter Schmeichel. But, <laughs> but uh, you know, particularly when it's this guy who, for me, has just always been lacking in the big moments and he's somebody why is he a symbol of something that's wrong with Tottenham at the minute he's somebody that should have gone probably three years ago we all knew he was coming down from his peak the reason he hasn't is because with the problems across the other areas of the team he wasn't the priority he yeah. never was and that that to me is, is is one of the problems at Tottenham over the last three but years. also also on top of that he can't kick or pass, and that—that that is such exactly. an important part of the game now. And this is, you know, straight away, Fraser Foster. Uh, um, we, we talk about some of the positives from Liverpool, but uh, but not just from Liverpool. I feel when Foster is in goal, uh, we look more assured at the back because you can play the ball back to him, and he's actually much better with his feet. And a goalkeeper has to have that to yeah. in, in his locker now. But this is what I'm saying. I, I just think Lloris is was past his sell by date three years ago, and that is why for me he is a symbol of some of the issues. Yeah, so at we the club. We know you're not a fan of Dyer. I don't think anybody agrees that Dyer should be giving a new contract. What I, I about, think the about, problem, just, just to touch on that, if Dyer was homegrown, because that ties into the Sessignon issue, right? If Dyer was homegrown, I could see more of a, a case for him. The guy takes up a foreign spot in our squad. Like, come on now. Come on. Um, 
And Sessegnon, I, I hear what you're saying. He, he was a, a player with a huge amount of potential. The argument potentially for him staying would be the homegrown piece because I don't think we can understate how important that is in the squad and the makeup of the squad. He's probably the last one out of those I would get rid of. But he, for me, is a symbol of what is wrong in the club just because I think he's weak. I think he's weak mentally. I think he's weak character. I think he's got a weak heart. I see, again, you know, that Leicester game at home when Madison turned him inside out and then scored. I knew as the ball was dropping, I knew Madison would mug him. I think Saka did it to him a couple of times. Yeah. Just, he's not got the heart for the battle. Yeah, but the problem that he's had is that he was signed. He was signed. When, 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 did, he, when did he arrive? I'm trying to remember because he... Poch didn't sign him, did he? Uh, or, did Poch, or was it was it the po- the end of the po- the beginning of Poch's last season? Whatever f- it was, yeah. the thing that he has not benefited from that say a Danny Rose benefited from. Can he signed the same day. At, sorry, to interrupt. As Lacelso, Don Belle. Can't remember. Right. So that would be that would be the the summer of 2019. That That's exactly summer. when it was. Or, uh, right. August 2019. He has not had the benefit that Danny Rose and say a Carl Walker have of a That's manager at the club being able to work with him day in day out. Messages are very clear, turning him, you know, unlocking that potential. Because I think we signed him when he was 19 or 20. I mean, that's really young. Yeah. And maybe he hasn't tracked on to turn into the player, but I don't think he's really had all the... I don't think he's been given every chance, and I don't think he's had... If you're thinking about young players and growing young players, if he was 25, I would 100% agree with you. I think if a Nagelsmann came in, worked with him, you know, could potentially turn him into the player that we all thought he was going to be... Um, I just think that often when, when you've got a team that's been so you know up and down in terms of style, strategy, thinking, different managers, or, you know, literally every two years we've had a new manager, a young player like that, it's the last thing you want. I think uh, you make a lot of really good points and I can certainly, like I say, he's the last one on that list as a priority for me to go and I can well understand all the arguments for him to stay. The two things for me are I agree with a lot of what you're saying. If he was injury free, then I could agree with it a lot more. But I think a guy that misses half a season, basically most seasons, and we can't rely on to be injury-free and we can't rely on to be in form at the times that we need yeah. is probably another reason that I'm advocating for him <coughs> to go. I think he, I think he's reached a ceiling unless he finds a huge level of confidence and stability and a lack of uh, injuries. For, and that's just too, much, too many ifs there for me for him to stay. I he, think we need to upgrade. He's played 17 that. times in the Premier League this season. Perisic has played nearly every game. Mm. He's an old man. Uh, Look, it's not his fault he's got injured, but we need him to stay injury-free. Anyway, we've talked about the negatives, which we always like to do as Spurs fans. There were some positives uh, on Sunday. Coming back from 3-0 down, coming back from 2 down against United, they've shown a little bit of heart. Let's not get into being behind again so early. But there were were positives. Richarlison finally scoring uh, his first goal. Uh, I know, Gary, you were, were saying before we came on about Klopp you know, saying we only play one way, but actually... We played some good football. I think we, we we really did, and I mean I don't want to get into the <laughs> my, my thoughts on on Klopp, except to say I thought it was disgraceful what he said because a lot of the football that we played was really really good, playing through the lines from the back. Our first goal, I mean I'm sorry to say this, but if Arsenal scored that goal, you wouldn't hear the end of it. It it was a class, beautiful goal front to back. It's not on the break, and also by the way. If you know we play on the break, don't leave 45 yards of space in yeah. behind you for Son to run into. Yeah. That's not our problem. That's your problem, mate. But yeah, I, I think the positives are... Um, and it's been their problem for 
the last couple of years, yeah. Liverpool. So yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, honestly, I, I do care about what he says because I thought it was bitter and out of order. But I, you know, it's it's fundamentally his problem. The positives are we did play some really good football. We showed a lot of heart. Richarlison, who uh, uh, Jake, I know you agree as well, will be a very good long-term signing for us. Delighted to see him get his first goal. I think he always shows heart and courage and guts. He's got that lamella about him, like where if you want somebody to 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 really sort of drive you up the pitch, take that hit, win that free kick, get that bit of niggle into a game that you need. I've got a lot of time for a Charleston, so I was delighted to see him get that goal. We could talk about the former Sonny and whether actually against United and and Liverpool, he's on the up. I I feel sorry still for Son and Kulisevsky. I think they're still both playing too much with their backs to goal on the halfway line with three players around them. They both want to be you know, halfway inside the opponent's half, with, or, or, you know, going going in on goal. Um, so I think Kulisevsky's suffered and, and Son has suffered. But certainly Son seems to be getting those moments back, but that's all it is with him at the minute. It, it's just yeah, moments. It, it can't just be a lack of form. I don't think you have a dip in form for that long without it being something that's happening on the training ground. He's clearly still a good player. You don't just go from being the top scorer in the league to having a terrible season like that without something going we don't know what's going on on the training ground but we but, can see that he's playing with his back to goal on the right, halfway he's line. playing with his back to goal on the halfway line Kuliseski hasn't really been the same player this season he's had a couple of injuries which haven't helped something must have been going on and in the last two I thought Kuliseski did well when he came on against United wasn't so great Sunday but he was better than he had been what what on earth was going on under Conte and Stellini that has now not happened in the two games under Mason well, I, God knows, because you, you, you dread to think. But the one thing that I keep clinging on to as a Tottenham fan is, and maybe this is part of the, the strategy to kind of write off the end of this season, is that I just keep thinking, come August, come September next season, a new manager is going to be involved. You look at this 11, you're thinking, actually, OK, Skip, we don't really know about. He's still very young. It's a decent side. But you've also got Benton Kerr, Basuma. There you go. Who else is missing from that well, side? Well, Richarlison obviously came off the bench. Yeah. You know, maybe Another centre-half. Another, I'm Goal sorry, keeper. but... OK, maybe Perisic. I know he's old, but like you look at that side. Very good coming in. Yeah, exactly. You're not looking at that side going, that's that's eighth, ninth place in the Premier League. No. You know, you're looking at that just as a starting eleven and thinking... It should be doing better. As long as the man at the front is still there. Well, as long as exactly. It's a different conversation. I think right? if 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 we get a new when when the new manager comes in, whoever it is, he's going to be of a certain level. Whether it's Rogers, obviously it's probably not going to be Poch now. Whether it's Nagelsmann, you know, whoever it's going to be, they're going to get a. I, I just I don't know. Am I really just blindsided? I just think that they're going to get a tune out of. I, I don't think like when Conte came in, like when Mourinho came in. Okay, they didn't last long, but the at the, at the very least, it's going to start off okay. I think you've seen it with 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 Palace, with Villa this season. New managers, okay, there are new managers who have come in who haven't done well, Grazia and, and others. But football is compli a complicated sport. Of course, it's we're not tacticians, but it's also not that complicated. You're you're in a happy camp. You want to be there. Uh, you're happy to be there, like Ryan Mason is. It can go a long way. And I think just believing in the players and and changing the mindset and the mood around the club. Okay, we've not won a game uh, since he came in. Uh, but you can see the mood has lifted. If Mace, if Stellini had still been in charge against Man United, Oof. that place would have been... That could have been toxic. I wouldn't have called it... I thought it was going to be toxic. Then Mason came in. There was one or two chance uh, for this and that. But the mood has lifted. And you can see that in the players. I'm not saying I want Ryan Mason as, as the manager going forward. But you just find someone who's happy to be there... And the mood lifts straight away. But, but I think this is 
crucial to whoever we appoint as our next manager is it's got to be somebody who wants to be at the club and not just right now but wants to see themselves at the club in three four five years time I, I do think as as a, as a Tottenham since we've moved into the stadium I feel like, you know, Levy was stung by, by some of the things that, that Pochettino said, maybe, like, we need to start acting like a big club. And so maybe he thought, well, all right, I'll show you. Mourinho, Conte, we're acting like a big club. And, and, and look, you know, he has spent £100 million odd in, in, in every window since. But he's gone about it in, in, in the wrong way. And we don't want to talk too much about sort of board-level issues on, on this particular show. We'll come on to that, I think, in the future. But But this next appointment has to be, for me, somebody that wants to be at Tottenham Hotspur Football Club isn't doing us a favour. It felt like Mourinho and Conte were doing us a favour and they felt like they were doing us a favour. Isn't going to be somebody that's going to say, I can only do this job if you're buying X number of players for £60 million each, my first choice players every single time. goes back to what you were saying earlier, Jake. It's about coaching. And I'm not sure that these players have been really coached properly in the last three years. Uh, under under Conte and Mourinho, that sounds mad to say because you've got two world class elite coaches. But you see the way that they n- failed to knock it about up until you know United and 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 Liverpool. We've seen the change in how they're starting to knock it about a little bit. They look more assured. They look more composed. They look a bit more relaxed on the ball. They look like they're trying to work it into the areas. The ball that Skip played for Son off the wing, sorry Perisic off the wing to to knock it over. That's orchestrated. That's crafted on the training pitch. That sort of stuff. And we haven't been seeing that. So we need somebody to come in who, okay, I haven't got Guardiola, I've got Ndika instead or whatever. It wasn't my first choice, but I can work with this. I can coach this. That's all that yeah, he doesn't have to, you know, Mason, you cut him and he ble- bleeds blue and white. It doesn't have to be that person. It's just someone who doesn't come in as a consultant to the club and tells us what we all have to do. And, you know, you're not very good. I'm amazing. If you listen to me, I'll win you the title. Us Spurs fans. That's what's why way, I, you've got to spend 500 million right, to do it. I, I, that's why I was personally so happy after leaving on uh, Thursday night against United. That was all... I wanted to see in the second half was a bit of fight, some good football, and we got a draw. We all want to finish first and top four, but actually, I want to go to Spurs. I want to be entertained. I agree with that, but the other thing that it's it's kind of got us back believing again is that actually maybe you know what's it like when we actually score some goals? Because the thing that we weren't doing enough under Conte, I think, was was playing. You know, he was it was very very much like let's not lose first and then let's go and win Where if we can afterwards. Whereas Mason has been the complete opposite. It definitely feels like, what I'm feeling like now as a Tottenham fan is, I want to watch the team again. We probably, we probably won't win, but I want to watch the team. Mm. Whereas before, it was, we might win and we're not going to really enjoy <laughs> watching it. And I think for the last four games of the season, now where we are, it's fine. I'm not sure I was that happy about it three games ago because I still think we were in with a shout of getting the top four. But now, between now and the end of the season, you just kind of feel like, yeah, we'll come on to talk about the Palace game. Well, I was going to say, let's let's do well, that. Let's do that. I sort of feel like, I sort of, it feels like, well, we've been quite good at home anyway, so you've kind of got that to cling on to. But we'll probably score a few goals. We'll probably concede a few goals. We might win. We might not. Well, let's but, talk about the opposition coming up. Uh, Saturday because to Palace and we're going to talk to a Palace fan Matt from one of the Palace podcasts okay we've got Matt from the a team called Palace podcast with us now Matt obviously we've got you on because we play with the weekend but a lot of similarities between the clubs right now obviously both had a 4-3 result of the weekend yours was positive ours was a negative but also both sacking managers in March 
you lost Vieira, brought in Hodgson. How did you feel about that at the time? And, and how did you feel about bringing Hodgson in? I must admit, I wasn't surprised when we sacked Patrick Vieira because we'd been on a really poor run of form. However, I was surprised when we went back to Roy Hodgson. It did feel like a bit of a backward step, but you'd have to say from what he's done so far, he's done an excellent job. And I think he's proved a lot of Palace fans wrong. Well, interesting. Firstly, why has is, why is he proved them wrong? Why? Because you thought that it was going to be safe, safe football to kind of just keep you into the in, in the Premier League. Yeah, I think so. I think when you look at maybe the last 18 months of his time at Palace and then obviously his ill-fated time at Watford, he didn't have the best run. So I think, yeah, from that point of view, we weren't feeling overly positive. And as you said, I think the style of football as well, since he's come back in, we've played with such freedom. He's given our attacking players so much confidence. And that isn't really something you associate with Roy. I mean, when he first came to the club back in 2017, we had the likes of Johan Gabay, Ruben Loftus-Cheek. We did actually play some really good football. But in the last kind of 18 months of his reign, it did get a bit stale. It did get a bit turgid. So for him to come in and get us playing the way he has really is credit to him. And it is a little bit of a surprise to us. So fans that aren't pa outside of Palace are now saying, well, look, it's, it's really good being a Palace fan again. You're scoring loads of goals. It's free-flowing football. Everyone's saying, well, why not keep him after this season? What do you think about that? I must admit, I think it's, it's worked really well, him coming back in. I'm not convinced appointing him for the long term is the right move. Ultimately, Roy is 75. I don't see how a 75-year-old can be a long-term appointment. I think we need to get through to the end of the season, hopefully have a really good finish the season, and then kind of reset again in the summer. Obviously, there was a massive turnover of players a couple of years ago when Patrick Vieira came in. There was a real shift in the style of play. We've gone back to Roy for these few games these few games it has worked but I think moving forwards we probably do need someone maybe a little bit younger um maybe someone that we can kind of build a team around so yeah for me I think it's been fantastic I'm really pleased that he's done well but I'd like to I'd like to see us move on in the summer and Matt, it's interesting that you mentioned somebody to build a team around because another similarity that Spurs and, and Palace share is that our star players Kane and Zaha are coming towards the end of their contracts we obviously know Kane's got another season. Zaha runs out at the end of this season. It doesn't look like he's going to be signing. How do you feel about that situation? And, and, and does it, in fact, matter as much for Palace when you've got uh, Elise and, and, and Eze behind, behind Zaha? Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. They are fantastic young players, but it does matter because Wilfred is our tallies man. He's been the main man for us for so long. And I think a lot of the kind of good things that happen at Palace still come from him when we need a goal, when we need a moment of inspiration, we still look to him. And I think as well, when it comes to attracting other players to the club, maybe even attracting a manager to the club, we are a much better proposition if we have Wilfred Zaha. So yeah, listen, it's a really tricky one. I mean, Wilfred has been fantastic for us. Personally, I wouldn't hold anything against him if he did move on in the summer. I would love to see him play in the Champions League or play in Europe. How, how would you feel about him coming see... to a club like Tottenham? Because I'd love him I'd love him at Spurs. Listen, I think I would rather he went abroad. I'd rather not have to play against him. But that being said, if the right opportunity did come up in England, maybe for a club in the Champions League, no offence, I don't know if that's going to be you next year. It's not, it's not. not. We all know that. <laughs> I wouldn't, I wouldn't stand in his way in that respect. And I think when you bear in mind how much he's given to our club, 
I don't think any Palace fan could really be too disgruntled if he did move on and he went to a top club because, as I said, realistically, we aren't going to be playing in Europe anytime soon, unfortunately. I think a lot of Spurs fans feel the same. Very difficult to see Kane putting on another Premier League shirt. If he went to Bayern or Real Madrid, we could probably stomach it. Um, but thanks for that, Matt. Just to conclude, what are your thoughts as a neutral, well, so as an outsider on Tottenham uh, at the moment? You know, a lot of people like to, to laugh at Spurs and whatnot, but what are your thoughts on our situation and also the thoughts on Saturday's game? Listen, I think as a Palace fan, I'm not in any position to laugh at Spurs, so that's definitely not going to be me. But yeah, I think when you look at where you've been, especially when you had Pochettino when you're in the Champions League final, I feel as though Daniel Levy kind of has gone for some quite safe managers. He's gone for managers that he thinks are going to win him trophies. And actually, I still think there's a bit of a project. There needs to be some building done. And the likes of Mourinho and Conte possibly weren't those kind of people. Mm. They want success straight away. So for me, I think, Obviously, towards the end of Conte's reign, things were said. It wasn't ideal, but you were still fourth in the league. I think the decision to then appoint his assistant was the wrong one. I feel as though you probably needed a clean break. But yeah, I think moving forwards, obviously this season does look like it's going to end in disappointment Spurs. But I think moving forwards, you need someone a bit like Pochettino in that kind of mould that can kind of build a team again and really build you back up. Because, I mean, the infrastructure is fantastic. The stadium's there. It's brilliant. I just feel as though you're still a little bit away from being able to compete for trophies every single year. I mean, regarding Saturday's game, obviously we're coming into it in a really good place. Um, I would like to think that we're going to come and we're going to look to attack. I mean, you've got the likes of Eze, Elise, Zaha, all in form. I don't see why we should really come back and sit behind the ball. So I'm hoping we're going to look to actually play and not just defend in numbers. I mean, yeah, it's going to be a really interesting game. Obviously, there's more riding on it for you than there is for us now, but I'd like to think that with four games left, we're still going to have a strong finish the season. Once we play against you, we've got the three newly promoted sides left. We've got Fulham, Bournemouth, and Nottingham Forest. So I'm really hoping we can carry on picking up points. But yeah, I think it'd be a really interesting game. Obviously, I know you're maybe a little bit fragile after a few recent results, but I do think that Ryan Mason has brought a little bit of kind of fight back. So I'm not expecting an easy game. Obviously, when we play against you, feels as though Harry Kane always scores, Son always scores, no matter what kind of form he's in. So it could be a really entertaining game. Agree. I think there'll be goals. Score prediction? Um, I'm going to go for two all. I'll go for Kane and Son getting their obligatory goals. But as I said, we've looked good going forwards at the minute. Eze, Elise, Zaha, Ayu, all getting goals and assists. So yeah, hopefully high scoring draw. So obviously two all means Palace go two up in the first 10 minutes because that's what happens. That's what happens. Um, and all right, good luck. Well, good luck for, for Saturday, but obviously uh, we're hoping for a Spurs win. But thanks for coming on and, and we'll speak to you soon. Cheers, Matt. Good luck. Cheers, Matt. Cheers, thank you. Okay, so that is Matt the Palace fan's thoughts on the weekend. He thinks high-scoring draw. I'm not really up for a high-scoring draw. Uh, we need to win. Whatever that, I think the Champions League, we all agree, is probably gone. But we need to win. Uh and just show a little bit of turn what we've seen in the last couple of weeks into a victory. Yeah, I think it's huge for confidence and, and the last three games after Palace, we're still there for, for Europa League. I think it's hugely important. I'm one of these that I don't subscribe at all to, you know, we're better off without European football. I think we're always better off with European football. And I think we need to finish the season really as strong as we can. I think there's been a lot of positives in the last couple of games. The same negatives are always there. The weak defence, the mistakes, all of that 
we know that. But the football's been a lot more positive, and I think if we can go out and get a really good performance against Palace, a, a good three-one. Even three 0 clean sheet would be nice. A what? A clean sheet. But but no, I think three one, and and that would send us feeling I think really good vibes into into a tough away game against Villa the week after. Jake, I reckon I, a high scoring draw is not a bad shout, but I'd like to be on the better better side of that. I mean, it could be three two again, couldn't it? We're going to score. We're going to concede. We'll probably score more than one. And the way Palace have been playing. Yeah, but you, I, you assume that you, we're not. We're not. It's not going to end one nil, is it? We're not going to win one nil. But he talked about Palace coming in confidence and playing. Yeah, the, actually, I'll be happy for Palace to come at us. Yeah, yeah I think that was the point I wanted to almost say to him. Yeah, come on, do do come at us and. Uh, yeah. You know, I don't want to sound like Klopp, but but we are better when teams come <laughs> on to yeah. us, right? All right, so, so Klopp was right. <laughs> <laughs> don't, listen, I, I think the football we played against Liverpool was better. Showed, showed yeah. that it wasn't just on the break, right? I mean, he's complaining. I think about Sonny's goal, which was a direct ball over the top because they left so much space in behind but we carved him open from the back playing through the lines a number of times so I think it's disingenuous on him to have said that but at the same time we are a team that is better set up at the moment for teams to come on to us and so if they do that Palace I think they would be playing somewhat into our hands yeah agreed I think whatever whatever you've, you th- your feelings are ahead of the game we've actually been really good at home this season well really good we've been a lot better than we have been away I was looking at before, we've won five and six at home. It doesn't really feel like that, but you've got to be confident, I think, going in against any team playing at home. And although Palace are on good form, we're a better team than Palace, aren't we? Let's 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 be honest. So we've, yeah. we've got to fancy our chances, even if they are on good form. Yeah, okay. So we all agree Spurs are going to concede at some point, but we should win. I think it's inevitable that we're going to concede <laughs> at some point. Okay. But we should win. All right, okay. So that is a positive note to end on. Uh, let's hope for more of those positive notes to end on. Gentlemen, good debuts, I think, from all of us. Like a Jermaine Defoe, Mido like, t- you know, type debut. Best debut I've ever seen. Will I take that? I'd, I'd, I'd have rather had a, a Klinsman. Oh, that's a great that's shout on debuts. That was, was that. it Dean Marnie's debut against Everton. <laughs> I don't think it was in. debut. It was his first ever goal. Was his first ever goal. Oh, yeah. That was his debut. Okay, I'll take just, that. Just Jürgen. No, Klinsmann's, Jürgen a, the way, Klinsmann's a great shout on the debut. I just remember I think Mido scoring on his debut. That's because I get told I look like Mido. Uh, <laughs> um, right, so that is the end of season one, episode one. Uh, and we'll be back next week to discuss the Palace game. Uh, it won't be another quiet week at Tottenham Hotspur, I'm sure. Then we'll look to the Villa game, which could be a massive game in a race for probably Europa League. Uh, so thank you for listening, watching. Uh, do subscribe uh, at EOGTHFC on Twitter or wherever you get your social media. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, we'll be here next week and up the Spurs.